Hello and welcome back to WTF is Fio, a podcast on healthcare for professionals and students. Hello and welcome to Croup at a Glance. I'm Derek. I'm a medical student. And my name is Alex. I'm also a medical student. So croup is a mostly pediatric condition of the upper respiratory tract. It commonly affects children between the age of six months and six years old. Alex, could you tell us a bit more detail about what croup is, please? Yeah, absolutely. Croup is a respiratory illness of the trachea, larynx, and sometimes bronchi. The term croup has historically been used to describe a range of respiratory conditions in children. However, the textbook definition mainly refers to viral laryngeotracheitis. So this is what we will be referring to it as. The longer episode on croup will explore the discrepancies around this topic. Croup typically occurs in autumn or winter, and most cases self-resolve within a few days. It classically presents with inspiratory stridor, a barking cough, and can also cause general viral symptoms, such as nasal congestion and fever. Now, Derek, can you tell us why croup happens? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, parainfluenza virus is the most common pathogen responsible for croup. And it's particularly active in fall and winter, which is when you see the most cases of croup. And it accounts for 75% of cases. The pathogenesis of the disease is due to inflammation of the subglottic mucosae. Um, The subglottic airway is the portion of the larynx immediately below the vocal cord. And the larynx is made up of complete cartilaginous rings, unlike the trachea, where you have the C-shaped rings. And thus the subglottic airway has no room to expand. Therefore, any inflammation in this area can cause significant airway narrowing. This problem is then compounded by an increase in exudates on the tracheal surface that you have due to the viral infection. Spasmodic croup has a different cause, and we'll speak more about that in the full episode. Just remember that it normally self-resolves before they access healthcare. I think it would be quite useful now, Alex, if you could just give us a classic presentation of croup in a child. A two-year-old boy is brought into the emergency department in the middle of the night. He has been complaining of a slight sore throat for the last 48 hours and awoke this evening with a sudden onset of a barking cough his parents describe as seal-like. He also has a high-pitched sound on inspiration when he is crying. The strider becomes worse when the child is agitated, however settles once the parents manage to calm the boy down. The strider resolves at rest, however the barking cough persists. There is some sternal recession signifying there's some increased work of breathing, However, there are no signs of disproportionate agitation or lethargy that wouldn't be expected from a child that's been brought into A&E in the middle of the night. Derek, can you tell us the key features here that signify this is croup? So, the boy fits in the classic age range and is actually at peak prevalence. So a two-year-old patient would be a classic time to present with croup. The boy also had a sudden onset of a barking cough and we were told that he was brought into the emergency department in the middle of the night. The patient also had strider and sternal indrawing, which is another important sign of croup. So to describe them a bit more, a barking cough, which is the hallmark of croup, sounds like a dry, harsh, expiratory cough, whereas strider is an inspiratory, high-pitched whistling sound. Other signs and symptoms to look for are hoarseness, difficulty swallowing, and changes in the child's mental status. This patient didn't have those signs, but for example, hoarseness and difficulty swallowing are quite common. On the other hand, child's mental status, if that changed, you'd be quite worried. Moving on to grading, croup can be graded as mild, moderate, or severe, and this is mainly based on the presence and severity of stridor. So at the moderate to severe end of the scale, 
it's important to look out for impending respiratory failure. This includes signs of fatigue, use of accessory muscles and posturing, a reduced level of alertness, tachycardia out of proportion to the fever that the child may have, cyanosis or pallor. This is only to name a few signs that are associated with respiratory failure. There are many. Now that we know how croup can be graded, Alex, could you tell us what some differentials are that we might want to think about when we have a child with this kind of presentation? Yeah, absolutely. We'll explore differentials in more detail in the deep dive episode, but it's important to consider and exclude things like bacterial tracheitis, choking and epiglottitis. Other things to look out for are bacterial superinfections. So these are infections that happen secondary to croup from a bacterial source. This could present as a bacterial pneumonia secondary to an upper respiratory tract infection. Great. So now that we know some of the signs and symptoms of croup, as well as the differentials to consider, let's look at how we can manage a patient that we think has croup. So some general important points are to make sure the child is as comfortable as possible. This is really important because we want to reduce agitation and avoid any unnecessary stress which will worsen the child's symptoms. We also want to make sure that we avoid any unnecessary throat examinations as this can also cause distress. If it turns out to be epiglottitis, a throat examination can also actually cause deterioration, which we certainly don't want. As with most diseases, the strategies for management become more complex as the severity of the disease increases. So in mild to moderate group, the main goal is symptom relief. Here, corticosteroids are the mainstay of medical treatment, mainly in the form of dexamethasone, with the addition of supportive care. This could include fever reduction, fluids, and comfort, which could come in the form of avoiding provocation or agitation and helping the child relax. In a more moderate case of croup, we add nebulized adrenaline to the initial steroid to provide more immediate symptom relief. Finally, severe croup is when senior help is really needed, as there may be the need for intubation to help control and secure the airway. High flow O2 is the main addition in these severe cases that haven't decompensated into respiratory failure. So as you're going along and thinking about these things and assessing the child's severity, just always bear in mind that you might need to escalate or ask for help because children can deteriorate quite quickly, as you always want to be one step ahead. Perfect. Thanks for that, Derek. I think it's also important to reassure the parents or caregivers. This noisy breathing and harsh sounding cough can sound very scary, but for the most part, croup is completely self-limiting and requires very little intervention after dexamethasone. Thanks for listening. We really hope you enjoyed it. This was only a brief glance into the topic and recommend you listen to the deep dive episode that comes out next week for a much closer look. Let us know what your thoughts are and what you'd like to hear next by reaching out to us on Twitter at WTF is the Oak.